Shut up and sit down. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah, Batman! Our bikes love us and we love them back As we ride through the city by the cars like black On the teeth of the town we just keep on singing We're unstoppable Oh, hell yeah! You are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Doing. One of the most important decisions you will make is to be in a good mood. For every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. So, crank it up and be happy, my friend. When things are good, when things are hard, we ride together, we don't drive cars, but together we make such beautiful music. Oh, hell yeah, brother, you yeet! Unstoppable mamas, a G and O, Unstoppable kids, yeah. Get your bike and go. Get your bike and go. Unstoppable papas. Pedal and flow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're doing it good, buddy. Great job. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance. Right here in studio with my friends. With your friends and a few other friends, too, but we'll get to them in just a moment. We do have some extra people today. Sitting next to Lance, Mr. Matt Legrand. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet, you guys are looking pretty good. Good to have all of us here, smiling faces and fully connected. Except Leo. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Leo looks funny, but that's okay. (laughs) He's fully connected. Fully portrait there. So it's all good. It's all good. Hey, we've got... We've got the gang from the Cascade Bicycle Club joining us with us on the uh, podcast today. And uh, sitting, well, I guess the bottom left on our little screen here is uh, the executive director of the Cascade Bicycle Club, Lee Lambert. Hey, Lee, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good. Um, Next to Lee, uh, Paul Tomei. Hey, Al. Great. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for having us on, Jake. Likewise, thank yes. you for coming. And um, we've also got a couple other members who we'll get into a little bit more, but we've got Leo Stone. Well, nice to see everybody and cheers to you. Cheers to you as well. And Marlene Decker. Marlene, welcome to the podcast. Drucker? Drucker. Drucker. <laughs> Did I say Decker? Sorry. Yeah, okay. well, I, like the joke is wrong. that... Spell check always changes my name to drunker. So, oh, <laughs> uh, oh I like all of that. Thanks, oh. Grandpa. <laughs> do any of you guys do the intermittent fasting thing? Just out of curiosity. You ever yeah. tried it? Yeah, it, in between the hours, about obscene. ten. I do about from about ten thirty at night to about six in the morning. There yeah. you go. Perfect. That's what I need to do. I've been doing it for years now, and just some days you feel a little lightheaded, a little loopy. I don't know. And today, might I got be some one of gummy bears back here. Yeah, yeah. You, you need a gel. <laughs> I think it's podcast gel. Yeah, I just need to shoot this coffee down my throat and call it a day. Um, we're going to get into some more of the Cascade Bicycle stuff here in just a few. But first, um, let's run around the table and do a quick backpedal. Lance, you get one thing today, buddy. One. I can't talk one. about one thing. I will kill your microphone. <laughs> one thing. Oh, Go. Yeah, just turn okay. them off. It was, it was a rest week, so I only rode like 12 hours or something like that. Okay. So. Gotcha. Uh, the the funnest ride I did, or the stupidest ride I did, I did a birthday ride with our teammate Ian Gibson in uh-huh. the Columbia River Gorge. We rode uh, from birthday. 
It was Ian's birthday. He turned 61. Happy birthday, Ian. Yes. 61 going on 41. I know. Riding like he's 31. It's ridiculous how strong he is. The plan was to ride 61 miles out in the Columbia River Gorge from Gresham out to past Multnomah Falls and back. Oh, that's a great ride. Yes. Good choice, Ian. But the 40-mile-an-hour gusts of wind (laughs) made it It quite difficult. It has been windy. But that day, this was Friday. We did it Friday, and it was... It was a little nuts. We both got blown off our bikes a couple times and hit did a you, patch. Did you fall hard? We, we hit a patch of black ice and both went down. But we were going very slow because of the 20-mile-an-hour headwind I at know, the moment. But we're old and falling hurts. We didn't get hurt. Neither of us really got hurt. So, <sighs> yeah, yeah, that, that was, sounded brutal. I saw that. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I missed that one. Yeah. Can't do that. It was so. crazy. We didn't make it 61 miles. We only made like 53 or something like that because it was just too much. But the gorge is beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. That's enough. Matt, quick battle. I got outside a couple times, which is great. Good for you. Yes. Um, Climbed a little bit because I'm testing. I was testing that Brighton bike computer. I made a video about that. And then uh, got out and rode just like out towards Vancouver Lake, which is a lot of flat stuff with, um, I I ended up riding with Evan Price, Josh Monda, and um, David Goodman. And I, like, I mean, that was the plan. David and I had chatted about, like, oh, I'll just meet him after his workout and we would ride back together. Nice. Really nice day. We have had some good weather. Yes. So that's it. I'm out. Good. Let's move on. (laughs) Hey, Paul, did you do anything cool this last week? Any any good rides you get in? Uh, In the winter, when it's snowing, I try to get up to the pass and do some skate skiing or cross country. Oh, nice. There you go. Even better. I know you guys like cross training, so um, yeah, big big fan of skate skiing for all your um, your road bike uh, uh, listeners who um, like to go fast. It's the fast version of cross country. For our listeners, all of our guests today are more or less in the Seattle, Washington area. Yeah, very cool. No, actually, they're more or less in the Bremerton area. Yeah, but that's, that's <laughs> out in the sound. How about you, Lee? You got anything uh, to report back about this past week? Oh, I had a great commute in. It was one of the. It was a cool. It was a thirty-degree day. I have about a ten-mile commute into work. Oh wow! When it's, and it starts with a nice little downhill, um, and on the roads. And then the, there's a nice trail and the Brook Gilman Trail. It's most of my commute, but it wasn't crowded, and it was just. It, it felt fast, and was a. It was a great way to start the start the week. Lee, does that downhill week. wake you up in the morning? Like, <laughs> uh, yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. Because it's, I get about a mile there, and there's about a, a mile and a half all downhill, yeah. um, which you pay for on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, Marlene, what did you do well, this past week? I am just back from bike ride, and I guess thank you for all the technical difficulties because it gave me a chance to catch my breath. She still has, she has a jersey on still, it looks like. I do. So I, well, I knew we were doing this, so I had my perfect. STP jersey oh, perfect. on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I actually, along my route, I had forgotten that where I was going, right before I get to my destination, there's a perfect... Uh, uh, peninsula. We're on the peninsula here. There's a perfect peninsula roller that goes that you can't see the bottom of from where you are. So you are kind of on the height and drop right down and then come <laughs> right back up again the other side, which there there are a lot of those around where I live. But I had actually kind of forgotten about that one. I paused for a little bit and let a car pass me and kind of looked to see if I could see where the bottom was. <laughs> Leo. It's a bit rolly. Yeah. Yes. Leo, did you have any good rides this past week or did anything fun? Well, let's see. I've been out trail riding oh. 
on a long haul trucker, 60 some pounds of bike with 26 inch mountain bike tires. But uh, Sunday <laughs> I had to ride over to Seattle. So uh, into a first aid class with Cascade. So I took my recumbent because my legs had been feeling pretty good up to that point. And which was interesting, five o'clock in the morning, uh, 40 miles an hour going down Kitsap Hills down to the ferry, then uh, riding home in the rain, but having to wait two and a half hours at the ferry terminal and just about got hypothermia out of that. I'm still kind of recovering today, but that's about normal for me. I take it easy. Actually, for me personally, I got to ride outside twice this past week, which was kind of nice. Yes. Um, one of them was with Lance yesterday, which was just they were, I was with you both your outside rides. Exactly. Yeah. That was that was a fun ride. It was one of those things where you go out to Vancouver Lake and you get a nice little tailwind going out there. And you're like, this is too easy. And I know on the turnaround, uh, this is going to really suck. But we, we managed to get back just fine. But the, the ride that was a lot more fun was the gravel night ride that we did. We did a gravel night ride. That yes. was a blast. That was a blast. Yeah. And I, I have this new headlight that um, oh, basically yeah? turns nighttime into day. <laughs> it was Whoa. pretty bright. What company is this? Oh, gosh. I should That's have. Okay. You don't have to. Yeah. Do that. Uh, anyway. Does it have like a separate battery pack? For yes. It does. Yeah. 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 4,000 lumens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, like, it was like five headlights yeah. lined up on the top of his handlebars. It so makes people, people in front of you just no, get like, no, nobody went in front of you. Yeah, it's yeah, too yeah. much. <laughs> they don't want to get that tan. No. <laughs> no. The but light it, bronzing is okay. Yeah. Though. Especially if your chamois are a little thin, you don't want Jake behind you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah I, I, I don't want to be behind you <laughs> if your chamois yeah. is a little too thin. But um, yeah, the 4,000 lumens really did quite the number, and it was one of those things where... This is really spectacular. I mean, it's so. perfect for exactly that. Yeah, like yeah. but it, it's also rides. very easy to take ratchet it. it down all the way down to 10%, which, right. you know, 4,000 or 400 lumens was perfect for still, riding on the road and, and yeah. not burning people's retinas out of their, their yeah. skulls. So. You can take it on the trails, too, yeah. like mountain biking. Yeah. Be crazy. Yeah, pretty cool. But um, other than that, it was just another standard week, and we'll call that a wrap on the back pedal. So let's get into some quick news so that we can get to the cool stuff here. Um, Champ Bailey. Top five. Is Champ Bailey in the studio today? No, nothing happened this weekend. Let's just move on. Nothing. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Hitchcock. Hey, uh, it is uh, Champ Bailey here. Yes, the Cyclocross World Championships happened World this championships. last weekend. There were great races. It was in Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas. Um, cross, cross Mecca. The Cross Mecca Arkansas. of, of uh, Fayetteville, well, Arkansas. Well known for cyclocross. But there were, there were really some great stories. I know we had talked a lot about the elite men's race that Wout Van Aert and mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Vanderpool were not going to be there. And so who did we think might win? Matthew Pidcock. Yep. And he actually pulled it off. The race was... Tom Pidcock? Or? Uh, yeah. Tom Pidcock. Tom Pidcock. Yeah. <laughs> from Great Britain. <laughs> He, Come on, uh, Champ Bailey. Your job. You have one <laughs> I'm job here. I'm going right off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm just trying better. to remember. It's better, it's better that way. It is. Uh, the, the, it, the race was actually really quite interesting. They were together for three or four laps, and the Belgians were trying to do some team tactic, tactics to keep Pidcock out of it, Yeah. And which would have been really cool if they could have pulled off because there was a point where Van Turenout was out front, and Pidcock was in second, and Pidcock was desperately trying to keep Ellie Easterbeet from getting in front of him. Mm. Because Van Turenot and Easterbeet are teammates, not just for the, the Belgians, but also trade team teammates. Mm -hmm. And if you've got two teammates ahead of you, yeah. the second guy can kind of 
Slack. Botch a corner or two and let the guy get away. And Pitcock tried very hard not to let the two teammates get ahead of him. And he didn't. And then by lap five, he just, like, hit the afterburners, and he won by, like, 30 seconds. It was fantastic. Women's race? Women's race, uh, also very exciting. Um, Mariana Voss and Lucinda Brand, who were kind of the cream of the crop, they, um, they got away. Um, like, and that was that. However, it was exciting racing. Um, those two stayed together the entire race. Um, neither of them won got away, so they were together the whole way, back and forth, back and forth. They kept trying to drop each other, but it never actually happened. They, during the last lap with just like a few hundred meters to go, they almost came to a track stand. Yep. No one wanted to be in. First place. Nobody wanted to be in first, yeah. but um, eventually, Mary, you, you just can't out sprint Mariana Voss, and she beat Lucinda Brand. So, so here's my question that I think is very interesting about cyclocross: we're we're way more. I, mean, I don't I don't want to say this and sound sexist, but like we're way more interested in the women's part of the sport. I mean, almost equally to the guys, I would say, right? It, they're very very well done, whereas women's road cycling doesn't yes. have as much of a draw. That's to a good it. point. And I think it's fantastic that cyclocross has like strength on equal sides. Of yeah, there, there's like there's more coverage for the women's cyclocross than the women's road racing, and I hope that changes in the I, next few I years. Hope, I hope so too. I yeah. think it kind of should or will. With them doing the Tour de France now with the women's group, they have the t- women's tour. I think but that I think that that's gonna at I, least put it in the right direction. I think yeah, that I that's so. gonna help us get more notoriety. And you're going to see some big names start to kind of get a little bit more press. I wish that the stages were on the same courses on the same days. So right. that, like it was all part of the same press like it sure. is for cyclocross. Yeah. I know that would be logistically a nightmare, but it would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, a, there was great races, the U23 races as well, but we want to talk to the Seattle people, yeah. so I'm going to bail on that. The, f- the funnest parts about watching the races this weekend were Tom Pidcock's Finish line celebration. Yeah. Oh, the Superman! He did a one-handed Superman, Put where the, one, like the fist out. <laughs> yes, he had his stomach on the seat, his feet off the pedal, straight back, and one hand up in the air. Kids, don't try this at home. You're gonna break your collarbone. <laughs> so he did that. The other funny thing was there was some dude in a in overalls. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's in Arkansas, and there was a. There was a shot. No like, shirt under the overalls. No shirt under the overalls. Only awkwardly. one hooked up. Had like a moonshiner hat on. And he was just staring at the camera when like all the racers went by. <laughs> Nobody else around. <laughs> it was like in an empty. It was. It made me laugh every time I saw it. So. Is there a meme yet? Yeah. It's Probably coming. not. It's, it's coming. coming. It's, it's, it's got to be coming. With that, champ out. Thanks, champ. Appreciate it. Cool. Let's jump into our topic for today. And we're going to talk about the Cascade Bicycle Club. They've got a big event coming up. By show of hands, who has done STP? All of okay, us. Okay, for those of us that are just listening, everybody, everybody here. Everybody here's done raised it. Raised their hands, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Evan um, Price is the only one. He he typically comes on the podcast, and he's the only one who hasn't done it. Yeah, we told him to stay home. It's like, you're not cool enough. You can't <laughs> come in today. So can't even come see his podcast. I'm going to just reintroduce Lee Lambert. He is the executive director of the Cascade Bicycle Club. Um, Lee, you guys got a... Just a little club up there, right? Got a couple people that are part of this organization. 
Yeah, we're knocking on ten thousand members. Yeah, wow. just just oh. ten thousand. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I, I thought we had a big team. Those guys, you know, geez, were like one percent, maybe two percent. <laughs> but um, so, how long have you been the executive director of the Cascade Bicycle Club? Uh, look at the calendar. It looks like about four and a half months. I started uh, <laughs> oh. uh, middle of September, so relatively new to this role here. But uh. Uh, you've know, been engaged with the club since the early 2000s. Oh, great. So as the executive director of, of, of uh, the Cascade Bicycle Club, you have to oversee some pretty big events. Um, would you say that STP, Seattle to Portland, for those that don't know what STP is, would you say that that is the big premier event that you guys have on the calendar for the year? That is our premier event for the year, and I would say I, the premier, premier event for the country. It is a, and a special, special ride. Uh, that's community building and goal setting for a lot of folks. Um, you know, people put on their bucket list to do. Bucket list to do. Gotcha. Very cool. And then again, we've got Paul Torme. Torme. Am I saying that right, Paul? I like Torme as in <laughs> Marissa. <laughs> the Velvet no, Fog. Yeah. Torme. Yeah. Uh, Torme. Okay. Oh, yeah. So. Paul is the media, media relations manager for the Cascade Bicycle Club, and he does all the blogging as well. How long have you been in that position with uh, the club? Uh, just two years with Cascade. I started right before the pandemic in, in 2020 and um, was really excited to join. And then things the last two years with Cascade, as with many nonprofits, have been a super challenge. But I was yeah. excited to join Cascade as a relative newcomer to Seattle that really wanted to engage with the bicycle community and all the advocacy work as well as education and community outreach. So Cascade's a 52 year old organization and it's a big reason that Washington state is perennially voted uh, one of the most bicycle friendly states in the country. But, and we're, we're best known for the big events we put on like Seattle to Portland or the Kaiser Permanente Seattle to Portland presented by Alaska Airlines shout out to the sponsors. But we also do uh, loads of education programming. Uh, we have a project called the Pedaling Relief Project, which uh, uses volunteer bicyclists to deliver and help food banks delivering uh, food and essential supplies during the pandemic. Um, our major Taylor project. Uh, so there, there's such a, a panoply of activities that Cascade gets involved with to really make the Puget Sound region and Washington State um, a bike-friendly place. That is awesome. I mean, we benefit from that all the way down here as yep, well. We so much appreciation there. Okay, and so we've got Marlene, not drunker, not ducker, not... Drucker. <laughs> <laughs> Drucker. Sorry about that, Marlene. Um, you are a very active member, and you are the free group ride leader as well as an outrider. So just I, tell me I'm one of I'm one of several hundred free group wow. ride leaders. So awesome. we do Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go just tell us tell us a little bit more about like what you like to do for the club and kind of the the, the role that you take within there. Well, I guess that my first interaction, well, I'll, I'll back up, I'll backpedal a little and say that um, I remember the first time someone explained to me about what a century ride was. And I looked at him and I honestly said, why on earth would you want to do that? But <laughs> at some point, I don't even drive that far. Yeah, yeah, at yeah, some point I decided sometimes. that I needed to do STP. And cool. there was that newbie thing of like, will I even be able to do this? 
Um, and I started training with Cascade. I started training with a lot of different groups, but actually I found that free group rides with Cascade were the best um, way to train for it. And that led me to, you know, you sort of work the cycle of the learn, do, teach. Um, so you, you learn it, you do it, and then, and you know, you're always learning. But um, I worked my way up to being a ride leader. Um, I was invited to join the ride leader committee. At the beginning of the pandemic, we had a lot of people who weren't comfortable going out on group rides because there was a lot of uncertainty there. So I stepped up to become a mentor for people who we kind of have a process of how we teach our free group ride leaders to be ride leaders. Um, so I stepped up to mentor new ride leaders. Um, let's see, I, I did that first STP and I, I brought with my little visual aid here. This was my oh. finisher, so you get a patch here. So this is the last one. Where the heck is the camera? There you go. Ah. Yeah, this you is go. the last one that was group health was still group health because the next year after that, they were Kaiser Permanente. Ah. So. Ah. The, where, the, where the heck is that camera? There it is. So, <laughs> um, um, so I, I actually found after training with Cascade in 2016, I actually found that doing it in two days was just a party and it was just mm. fun. And so the next year I had to challenge myself to do it in one day, which was, you know, fun in a different way, but um, also... I spent 16 hours on the bike. So there are parts of your body that you had no idea were going to hurt <laughs> um, <laughs> in, until you stop. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to do these events helping other people doing them. And then, and then that's, that's kind of where I met Leo and, and made, him made, made him somehow convinced him. I, there there might have been, been some beer involved. Um, somehow convinced him he should, you know, they should let me join the Outrider team. Um, and I, I have supported as <coughs> an Outrider twice. And I think maybe when we throw it to Leo, he can explain to you um, what the Outriders do on Cascade events. Uh, all right. So, Leo, let's, let's get to you here real quick. Um, collectively, I think it's safe to say that you've probably done more STPs than everybody else here combined. <laughs> combined. <laughs> Leo, how many times have you done Seattle to Portland? I've ridden the CSTP 27 times, Oof. which which isn't that much compared to some people. Um, well, I think Jerry Baker did, what's 30-some? Wow. Uh, he's the, the late Jerry Baker. Uh, wow. Well, but you're... It's, it's an interesting... I was going to say, you're almost there. Marlene's... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going <clears> to... <throat> Taking off on Marlene's thread there about... Uh, or become an outrider. We do have a saying in the group that we really don't recruit outriders, but we do recognize them. So we're, we're pretty lucky by getting her. But I should probably explain what exactly an outrider is. Yeah, I'm confused. Yeah. But I've got to, unfortunately, I'm going to have to drag you through some history so you can understand what led up to outriders. And um, I did my first STP in 1989. It was pretty impressed with it. Um, one of the biggest memories I had was I didn't know where the finish was and I was in Portland and I was so hungry and I saw a Burgerville USA. Fond memories of being in Vancouver in high school eating at Burgerville USA. So I swung in there, scarfed down to the point where I was almost sick and realized I have still have to ride 
then rode the, the three more blocks to the finish line because I didn't know where it was. <laughs> in, in 93, though, 1993, I decided I would try it one day. And the guy I was going with, to ride with as a partner, he was a member of a group within Cascade called the Bozo Patrol. The Bozo Patrol was a group deputized by Cascade to pass out tickets for good rider behavior. And at the end of the ride, you could uh, redeem your ticket for some cheap and tawdry prize, like a water bottle or something like that. But it was the thought that counts. The, the problem was STP was getting a reputation as being kind of uh, Death March 2000 all the way to Portland. You heard sirens the entire way. Um, so we passed out good writer tickets, but realized too is you, if you see somebody broke down on the side of the road or somebody hurt, you keep on riding by. You have to stop. It's yeah. a human thing to do. Besides that, you're riding as a cas- as cascade. So, outrider, excuse me, um, the Bozo Patrol went away after about three years, I believe. Uh, then I rode as a medical writer for a couple of years and didn't quite care for that too much. Um, it was not exactly what I thought we really needed. I wasn't quite sure of what, what it was yet. Uh, then I rode as a ride referee, started that program, I think, around... Oh my gosh, 2009, uh, I, I can stand to be corrected on that. I started in the second year. The ride referee program was Cascade again, trying to curb the insanity of STP because it was getting pretty crazy. So we were supposed to model good behavior and ask people to not be bad behavior. Mm-hmm. which really doesn't work that well. But at the same time, we noticed people were hurt, people were broke down, we're wearing a casket jersey, so we're going to stop and help them. But the problem was uh, a referee is someone who enforces the rules of the game, and we don't enforce anything. Uh, so what, what the ride referees folded around 2013-14, mm-hmm. There were some issues in the club, but that's resolved. So a bunch of us ex-ride refs kind of brainstormed one winter and said, what do we actually need to have? The idea we came up was with the outrider concept. Now, if you, as I defined what a referee was, someone enforces the rules. Well, if you look up outrider, you get a person who rides at the edge of the group to provide scouting and protection. And that's essentially what we do. We provide a kind of a triage for medical and mechanical. Something small, a flat, we'll deal with that. A small adjustment, we'll deal with that. Anything else, we're gonna bring SAG in. In the same way with medical, we're simply the first screen on the course for that. That's why I ride with Jake all the time. So he's my... He's my outrider. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, he always forgets yeah. to bring his bag. Yeah, but he forgets yeah. to bring his bag. Yeah. I got it with me. I'm good. Well, we. I have a friend like kinda, that. <laughs> yeah. We kind of call ourselves the friend you didn't know you had. So I don't know if that applies in this uh, particular instance or not. But 
We also do uh, a lot on looking for where there is going to be problems. We train on state law because people are invariably going to ask you, what does the law say? So we need to know. We work on traffic control techniques used because we've borrowed heavily from the League of American Cyclists and from Savvy Cycling. I'm a league instructor myself. Uh, for ways to control lanes, for ways to keep people out of dangerous situations like riding next to a truck, at a stop sign, things like this. So we are kind of like a, a kind of a guardian angel, but we do have a couple things kind of peculiar to the group. One is we don't wear numbers because we're not on the right. <laughs> well, you do, but we're not on the right. We're in the right. People write STP for the experience. We are part of the experience, trust me. We also carry, uh, for traffic control, we'll carry a whistle, which we don't like to use. But we do carry a duck call, which we do. Because <laughs> it isn't threatening. You People can hear you. And there's just, it's hard to get angry with somebody who's blowing a duck call at you, particularly <laughs> with some old teacher like myself, wearing bicycle clothes, standing out in the middle of the road. But we have a good time, though, and I, we, I think Marlene got, what, four or five letters of thank you very much in the mm -hmm. first year you outride for STP. Mm -hmm. You did a great job. Uh, one of the things that happens to us, and I tell new writers this, is someone is going to walk up to you in a crowd and say, thank you for being an outrider. And the first time it happens to you, it's going to take you aback quite a bit. But what they are saying is thank you to Cascade. Yeah. Providing mm -hmm. this group of people who will help you get to Portland yep. because no one gets left behind. Gotcha. That's really cool, guys. So I got a question for you. Um, you guys have kind of alluded to like some craziness, some crazy things that were happening and some things that needed to kind of get smoothed out. Give us an example. I, I'm, I'm curious if uh, anybody at this table might be guilty of uh, doing any of these crazy things in the times that we've done it. So I'm curious. <laughs> STP is not a race. However, there are some I, I people on the differ. road who, yeah. You're looking at the wrong people. <laughs> now, um, there's a relationship so between an adrenaline and intelligence, I find. <laughs> yes, that is also true. Yeah, and um, when you get, uh, you know, up to 8,000 riders, hmm. I mean, as Marlene points out, it's not a race. Um, uh, it's it's a it's an opportunity for people uh, aspirationally to, to push a little farther than uh, maybe they they might, um, and it's also a way for us to show a lot of support to the communities along the way. There are a lot of small community nonprofits that really benefit from Cascade coming through by uh, lemonade stands, selling food, helping sure. us with lodgings and reservations uh, uh, along the way, filling a lot of hotel rooms. Um, and when you have an 8,000 person event, it's sort of a moving circus, right? And there's so much coordination and so many moving parts. And Marlene and Leo are great examples of how much Cascade relies on a, an active and large volunteer core to really help us yeah. carry out a lot of our mission from our events to, um, to our learn to ride, uh, education programs. So, um, and it's 206 miles, and so maybe that's a bullet point that... Um, oh, yeah, we should mention that. Yeah, yeah. they need to know how long this is. Yes. <laughs> what is that in meters? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I feel like we have an international, uh, international it's what, group. It's, what, 300, 
320 kilometers 320, around there. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we do have international listeners to the podcast and this would be such an amazing event for you guys. If you are traveling to the United States or something like this, how cool. The the event is not massively hilly, but it is very long. Yeah. And yeah, it the, is um, really well done and well supported. It, 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 yeah, the way it was described to me when I first did it was it is not the quickest route between Seattle and Portland, but it is mm-hmm. the flattest route between Seattle and Portland. Ah. Um, there are a couple, there, there are a couple hills and a couple rollers. Um, and you know, you talked about the shenanigans; those things um, pop out. But I think the one thing I experienced as a writer is really the community. I had the last time I did it, I, my wife and I were going to write it together, and she got. And we've done it twice in a tandem, and we're going to do it a third time in a tandem. Cool. And uh, awesome. she got injured, and I ended up. Um, writing it by myself and i i found a crew of uh i was probably in my late 30s i found a crew of like 20 somethings who were doing it for the first time and so i got to be the wise old guy on the ride because yeah. i had done it enough times to tell them when the hills were coming yeah. um and on the flats we'd stick together and on the downhills we stick together and the uphills they'd uh you know they'd wait for me at the top <laughs> uh, and it was a it was a great little community we had put together and i thought it was just my experience and then the next april because we had started a text chain, I got a a, a text. Some someone in that group said, "Hey, are we doing the right get right again?" Um, and you know, and made some nice, you know, you know. Unfortunately, you know, life and parenthood didn't let me write it that year. But it was uh, that type of spirit of people finding a community to do this adventure with who we, you know, had nothing in common with except for we were uh, set set out to ride two hundred and uh, six miles over two yeah. days. Um, you're always going to find a friend. Do you find that every year is a little bit different? Like you find that group of people and there's that bonding experience because 206 miles, it's like this massive undertaking. It's enough time where you kind of form those clicks. I mean, I noticed it when I did the SCP, I had these like couple people and like I still follow them on Strava and it's just like that little group that you had Mm -hmm. and it's kind of magical how that challenging of an event kind of brings that group together. And my question would be like, is it different every year? Do you get into a different click each year or? I th- it, that's been my experience. My, I, yeah. th- the person I think about the most, and I can pass this over to, you know, Marlene or Leo is actually my first STP when, you know, I was, I think it was 2002, 2003. And I am um, with my first time doing this big ride, kind of a, I, you know, finally was a point in life where I could do it. And there's a rest stop every eight to 15 miles on the mm-hmm. STP. And about 30 miles in, I realized I'd passed this, um, this, this lady, you know, she's probably in her 60s or 70s you know, after each rest stop. And she's probably riding 10 or 11 miles an hour. And it was not very fast, but she was just steady going. And then, you know, I'd stop at a rest stop and she'd just ride on past and keep on going. Then I'd mm-hmm. pass her again. And I, you know, must have passed her a half a dozen times that day. Um, and then you sleep, you wake up on Sunday and, uh, same thing happened. She must have started started ahead of me, cool. and yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I I passed her for the last time. You know, probably three or four four miles outside from the finish line, and waited for her to cross. But she was kind of my inspiration because she Absolutely. clearly had just you know this was not her first ride, <laughs> and she had a plan, and she was not the fastest, but she was consistent. And I'm sure she doesn't remember me, but I remember thinking you know <laughs> about mile eighty on day two. You know, and I see her ahead of me. I'm like, if she's still going, I, I can <laughs> <Yeah>. make it. <laughs> like, how would you guys talk to people that you know maybe aren't familiar with STP? Maybe they're from a different part of the country or something like that. It's not a race. Uh, that being said, you know, a lot of the people that do listen to our podcast 
would really, I think, be very interested in an experience like this, uh, a 200 mile journey, you know, through, you 206. know, 206, don't, 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 don't cut off that six, <laughs> but through like the beautiful Pacific Northwest. So, you know, my question for you guys is like, uh, you know, what, what can they do? Uh, what's the next step that they can do? Like, where can they go to read more about the information about the, the club and the event itself? And, you know, um, like, what's the best location for those guys to kind of just learn about it? Well, you can learn about the ride on our Cascades website, cascade.org. Okay. And just to, it's, the STB is not a race, but it's whatever ride you want to make it be. Mm-hmm. So there are folks who start at five in the morning and commit to do it in one day and ride all 206 miles in one day. Uh, and and if you decide to do that, you will not be alone. And yeah. and most of those folks are are good, accomplished riders. And this is maybe the first time doing a double century without the pressure of a race, or just you know maybe doing some training for them. And there are folks who tow their you know three year old in a burly trailer. See, that's and, that's so and cool. ride the whole way, and they start late in the day. Yeah, and I I've. I witnessed this ride once and I saw people and just, it was just like families on bikes. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I think the following year I did it. And I was just like one of those people that you described, like got up early, went hard for, you know, 10 hours and did it in one day. And I think the thing that I want to do next is like, I want to do it in two days and just like, I want to experience it because I think when you go hard, it's cool, like great, whatever. But mm-hmm. I think when you mm-hmm. enjoy it, you know, you get more of those moments. You get more time out there. Just like we talked about before, where it was like those bonding experiences with a group of people, you get more opportunities for that. And, and I also think I think the rest stops are, are pretty cool, too. Yep. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm taking yeah. a lot of air, air time here. It's also a rolling bike museum. Yeah, and that you true. will right. see <laughs> cool every stuff. type of bike that you can imagine. Um, and almost every age of bike you can imagine. Some people take great pride in riding it in vintage <laughs> bikes. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe I'll pass it over to Marlene or uh, Leo to talk about like you know their experience or how they how they approach the STP as a participant. I, I want to jump off what you said about one day versus two day because I have done both, yeah. and it is. You know, the two-day really does give you more of an opportunity to experience it as a rolling party. So you don't have to rush out of the rest stops. You can stay and talk to people. Those people that you leapfrog a whole day, you can exchange names and find out who they are. Um, You meet great people actually do, like STP is kind of uh, a destination ride. There are people Mm -hmm. from all over North America who come to the ride. So you're meeting people from different places. You talk about, you know, what are bike clubs like where you are and what kind of rides do you do? There's there's so much, you know, meeting people and talking to people. So that's, you know, for me to do it in one day, I really, I started actually at 4.30 in the morning, um, both times that I did it in one day. I had to be very disciplined about, you know, not lingering at the guests at the rest stops, just getting what I needed and getting out. Um, when I did it just myself, um, as a one day, I finished right before nine o'clock, which is the official end time of the closing closing of the. Now people finish later than nine o'clock, but the official the official finish line on day one is nine o'clock. I finished right before nine o'clock, and I remember I was holding my little patch in my hand, and it got dark. It was oh, it's dark. So I started in the dark, and then it was dark. Yeah. Um, 
it definitely once you if you do it in one day once you pass the midpoint it really thins out so yep. you're no longer in a big crowd you're 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 not lonely like there's still other riders on the road it's still really well supported as a one-day rider there you know the rest stops are open but um it is it, it's a different experience doing it as a one day so i'll just anybody out there listening you should Try it both ways. Do it, and, yeah, exactly. And, Do yeah. Both. <laughs> try both. Yes. I think I'm kind of with like Matt. Sure. I might need to try that out in like two days one of these years. Yeah, I want to yeah. try it with two days. I want to just really enjoy it and just take my time and, and you know, try every cookie at every rest stop mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. It's not a race at all. It's yeah. the two day. I've done one one day ride. I did it in 10 hours and 40 minutes and couldn't wow. walk the next day. <laughs> But I was I was only 37 at the time. I'm a little bit older now. But what's so much fun about STP is, like Marlene says, it is a rolling party. Uh, people create teams. One team had naked Barbie dolls strapped to the top of their helmets, and they were Team Naked Barbie. <laughs> I saw a group with a bunch of Archie McPhee novel, rubber goods and novelty supply store in Seattle. They had got strap-on rubber buttocks. <laughs> to wear over the back of their short, and they were team naked ass. And from the coming up on then from the back, trust me, you didn't want to draft at first until you figured it out. <laughs> but I've seen people dress up like cowboys with horse heads done in paper mache on the front of their bike. And, I, I just, did it on, and there's always on the skate. unicycle. She guy. did it on inline. She was the first person to do it. Uh, that was in '93, uh, I believe. And she was doing a one-day ride of it. In Centralia, her crew was taking, changing the wheels in her skates because she'd worn them down to nubs. Oh uh, wow! It had to be pretty pretty crazy. But a lot of longboarders will do this too. Yeah. So and it is absolutely a party. It's something to see. You've got to do it. Wow. So I'll add one more reason. Is STP is back uh, in 2022? Yep. Uh, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, we had to cancel it the past two years. And so in some respects, this is going to be one of the most special um, and fun STPs ever. It's an event that uh, the only other time it was canceled prior to the, the pandemic was uh, after the explosion of Mount St. Helens, which wow. required reroute uh, up to uh, we went north to the other Vancouver. Maybe you've heard of that. Vancouver. Mm, heard of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's been an annual event um, with, I think, at its largest was up to 10,000 yeah. uh, participants. We cap it now at 8,000, uh, you know, a modest 8,000 just to keep it um, to a controllable size. But it really is a is a fun event for no matter your skill level um, and Cascade uh, through our free group rides programs and our Cascade training series. Uh, we have assets on uh, Cascade.org where folks can uh, Design so for and those that are playing along here at home, um, we lost Leo. He dropped back in, and now all of our, our graphics are a little off. So um, oh, don't mind me. I'm going to fix I'm that sorry. while we continue talking. No, yeah. it's not a problem. We can fix it as we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul, so, what are you guys doing about, um, like, what kind of COVID rules are you having then for this year, um, being that you haven't done it for the last couple of years? Yeah, all our events, uh, proof of vaccination and uh, masked up when waiting in line. That, okay. That's the procedures we have yeah. thus far. Yeah, we, so we're you know, we're, 
I can put jump ball. We're in King County, Washington, which ha, um, has taken a, a pretty um, uh, focused effort to ensuring COVID protocols. So we point to the King County public health um, guidelines. And so, uh, you know, vaccination or uh, the test actually, if you know, three, three days, three days before, before. Um, and then mask up at the rest stops. We've gotten really good over the last um, six, seven months when we reopened rides on doing COVID, having COVID safe protocols in the rides. Uh, the thing we'll definitely do is, you know, if we've learned one thing in this pandemic, it's that the guidelines change. And so as King County changes their guidelines, we'll change, we'll, we'll go along with the, what they recommend. I have this gut feeling that it's going to be this massive you know explosion on the website and event sign up and i just think people are going to be so amped up because you guys have been you know closed out for two years that this is just going to be a very very busy kickoff to the stp sign up stuff going on and and sign up is did you said february 8th is that correct general public sign up is february 8th but if you're february. worried about it selling out you can become a Cascade member there and you, you can go. register now. Ah, <laughs> oh, words wow. to the wise, words to the wise. Yeah. So, so real quick, what, what is involved with becoming a Cascade member? I think this is an appropriate time to sure. talk about that, that you guys could use a little bit of help getting into that 10K bump. Yeah, um, you, basically you go on the website and uh, you determine whether you're a family member or an individual and you pay $45 and it gets you some discounts on Cascade events. But more importantly, it supports Cascade's work to make Washington State a bicycle-friendly state. So it supports our advocacy work and our education work and our community service work um, that we Paul talked about earlier in the podcast around uh, partnering with food banks to deliver food to people who need a little help, particularly during the pandemic, or um, providing uh, our Build-A-Bike program for uh, young folks who maybe his family can't afford for them to build a bike. And so Great. when we buy a bike from them, we, we help them build bikes. That's really cool. And it's $45 per year. Yes. That is sounds very reasonable to me. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's so much good stuff that's done out yep. of that. And then, again, one more time, when is the actual two-day event and the one-day event? When do those fall on? July 16 and 17. July 16. So if you're going to do it two days, you're going to be riding on the 16th and 17th of July. If the one-dayers are going to do it, you're going to do it on the 16th of July. And what time does the event kick off? Is it a 5 a.m. start, but, like, you guys kind of start a little bit before that? I feel like there's a Yeah, we, 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 stag we stagger the starts. So the one-dayers um, – come in i do believe at 4 30 is i think the earliest you can start gotcha. <laughs> start mm -hmm. um and then the two dares we try to have not start before 6 30 mm -hmm. uh, or sorry, six again i'm six. a new guy i can get some things wrong i i never got i never started that early <laughs> um uh and uh, we and the way it works is basically about every five minutes or so we let a group go and uh you know and then there's it's a big party that you know the kickoff there's music playing there's a engaging mc in fact you know what are you guys doing at 4 30 in the morning on a yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh and people um roll out and it's really a community celebration along the route i think you know we talked a little about the rest stops i particularly look forward to, there's one there's a Pialop rest stop it's about just about 45 miles in and they the boy scout troop there sells cookies yep uh, and uh, um and cool. some banana bread, and it is a high point of the day. <laughs> uh, so uh, you, people uh, find their different rest stops along the way they, they like to do. And we, you know, we, we feed people lunch, and uh, some of the best beverages you'll find are at a mile 107 uh, at the end of day one. 
particularly. Is that because you've done 107 miles or because the beverages are absolutely amazing? You know, you're going to have to write it to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about riding all the food tastes good. Yeah, that's so true. It would make a Go ahead, Leo. Go ahead, Leo. I was going to say that there's a brewery in Centralia, a guy named Dick, Dick's Beer. Probably the best tasting beer you're ever going to taste. Oh, my gosh. Of course, a hundred and some miles on your butt, yeah, the beer's going to be just great as an anesthetic, Mm -hmm. if nothing else. So Leo and I volunteer on the route, and we have a fun volunteer ride job because we're riding. So that, to me, is considered the most fun. But, you know, Cascade... Uh, an 8,000 people on the road is a lot of moving parts, and a lot of those people are volunteers, and I'd say their jobs are not as fun. Some of them are driving the trucks with the baggage, um, but that's one of the things you get is that the reason you can't start before 4.30 or the reason I never started earlier than that is that to get your bag on the bus to your destination, and, you know, if I'm starting at 4.30, that's Portland, um, the volunteers are out there. You know, they're starting in the middle of the night to, yeah. to get this great experience for you where your bag is going to be there in Portland and handed to you by a friendly volunteer after you've done your 206 miles of riding. So there are, in addition to all the rest stops and the support and the sag wagons, um, there's also, there is a baggage service. People who camp in Centralia can have their stuff brought on the trucks to Centralia. So they're camping out at the, at the um, college out there in Centralia. Um, so there are, you know, it, it's a massive undertaking and, you know, Cascade has done it 40 times and gotten better every year. So yeah. that's, that's part of the reason this is a ride that you should, everybody, if you're listening, you should come do it. Come join us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just hypothetically, speak, hypothetically speaking, if you, like, say, got a flat a few miles in and forgot to pack a tube, a nice person on a motorcycle <sighs> will happily drop one off and have an air compressor. Just hypothetically, that <laughs> might have happened yeah, once. once or twice. <laughs> to you? <laughs> yeah. Outriders also carry spare tubes just for that mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, I was. We also. How much money do we spend? I think we. Because we actually clean the roads for you. Highway thirty gets swept right before the vent. Wow. Highway thirty down in Oregon, and I. That's what fifty miles, and I can't remember. I want to say ten thousand dollars. Is that right? What Cascade cost to uh, sweep that road? Uh, you know, Some I, insane I, I, amount. I, I probably should know. I probably should know that, but I know I never got a flat on that road. I was definitely which that road is usually a mess exactly i mean it has a nickname down here called the dirty 30 because all the other times of the year when you guys haven't come in and cleaned it it's bad so so highway 30 is kind of the highway 30 is kind of the purgatory of stp but once (laughs) you're through with it it's absolute heaven (laughs) if you do it in one day there's an afternoon tailwind usually so yeah. For you one day riders, you get if you're lucky, you get pushed right up Highway 30. Hey Matt, I, I recall you up one. I recall one year it was well, it was approaching 100 degrees, and we had a headwind for Highway 30. Oh. So we were doing. I was making yeah. power for 20 and doing about 12, <laughs> and drinking four water bottles every 20 miles, plus hooking down cans of. Uh, it's not snap V8 juice because oh, yeah. it's really high in sodium and it'll keep you from bonking out so bad. But people's clothing turns white. It's just yep. amazing. 
A giant salt lick. <laughs> yeah. The good news is weather's uh, usually the, the weather's usually good the time of year that you guys do this event. So you know if yeah. people are listening to this from, let's say Alabama, <laughs> you know, come yeah. take a break. Come take a break yeah. from the weather. You know, even if it's hot, it's not going to be hot and humid typically. So yeah, we the, the weather is usually pretty decent. Well, we changed the event date up until um, what was it 1997? We would do the ride in june we were aiming for the solstice to get it to the longest sometime oh, yeah. but in 1997 we had a front come in off the pacific ocean which is sometimes called pineapple expresses mm -hmm. and we had two days of solid continuous rain with about a 20 to 25 mile an hour headwind the entire way ouch that was that was Nobody the last year i rode as I rode as medical, but I rode uh, the only fender bike I had was my fixed gear. So I rode oh, a fixed no. gear oh. for uh, <laughs> 206 miles, which was We're trying to sell the fun part of this. <laughs> well, it's going to be a good time or it's going to be a good story. Yeah. The, yeah, thing about S the thing about STP is people tell you it's a really easy ride. It's flat. Well, STP can be a monster and you must be prepared, but... Trust me, they used to build this ride as the best ride in the galaxy, and that's pretty close, I assume. <laughs> yeah, it's just I, a great I, ride to do. Yeah, my my favorite my favorite ride. I rode it with my wife on a tandem, and we had another couple on a tandem. And uh, you know, I it's fun to ride up with the uh, the the fast guys, probably like uh, Matt and Jake, because um, the tandem we could keep up with there, and uh, our friends. We get to the finish line, and then they uh, they let us know that they are uh, that she was uh, three months pregnant. Oh wow! And she had, <laughs> so so um, it's a it was a it was a, it was a good time, and uh, you know, like you can do all skill ability, and that was a you know that was a warm one. It was 85 degrees that the, those two days. But if you're not from the the Pacific Northwest, I will put the Pacific Northwest up against any part of the country in July. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's difficult to beat. 100 a good time to visit. Sure. <laughs> now you guys have. Build this is not a race. Let me ask you a quick question. Are we still doing the chip timing? Is that still an option? Uh, no. No, oh, you guys no removed chip, that. No, I can't remember a time where we did chip timing. There was a chip timing. There was. There was. We did it for a couple years. Anymore. 2015 but and 2016. But what the heck? You have, your, you have your little devices. You can time your, you can do it. Time <laughs> no yourself. No one has bike computers around here. I, I, I'm yeah, sure. Everybody has I'm their sure. devices. <laughs> I'm sure the Strava segment. Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys had the chip timing system the two times that I did it in 2015 and 2016. And it's still uh, like 2016. It still kind of bugs me a little bit. Uh, we had a group of us and there were some buddies of mine that came up there and did it together. Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to we wanted to you put wanted in to a good time and we wanted to be the first ones to, to make it into Portland. So we got there. We did our we thing. Were, we were trying to break nine hours, I believe. Well, nine and oh, a half. Oh, wow. Nine and a half, yeah. So um, the, the whole premise was like, all right, let's, let's do this right. And we're going we're gonna to treat this not like a race, but we're going to time trial it. You know, we're going to go fast. And one of my buddies that was in the group, one of our buddies that was in the group started, I don't know, he was maybe five or six or eight people deep. And so his chip timing thing um, went off 
like after mine did because I rolled through first and activated the chip time. And then he rolled through, oh. and then we were all riding down all the way together. And I made it a point to get to the front of the group and kind of worked a little bit harder to get to the front of the group and finished like I think like two seconds or three seconds ahead of him. Justin Wagner. Well, Wagner was there. He, <laughs> okay. It was Greg. It was Steel. Greg Steele, and oh, okay. his time just so happened to be a second and a half faster than mine. So he was billed Smart. as the fastest rider for the entire event, and I was in second place, even though I was the first one to finish. Though, but we did get our nine and a half hour time, which was you know the, the funny. What, what what's your average speed on that? That's got to be twenty one and a half. Yeah. Ooh. I tried to go with you guys and got dropped immediately. <laughs> the like, funny thing was, is when we hit the finish line, it wasn't set up yet. Well, yeah, my wife... My, <laughs> we beat the finish line set up. My wife was running SAG support for us for that year, and she oh, was yeah. leapfrogging all the way down. And with, she knew exactly where we were at, and she left us at St. John's Bridge. That was when we had the last bottle handoff. And then she went ahead and zipped on up to the finish line, um, got out the car, ran over there, and like, hey, they're about four, three or four miles out, maybe even closer than that. She was like looking at me or like texting yeah. me or something. I don't know what it was, but she's trying to let the people know at the finish line. They're like, oh no, there's no way that they're they're here. No, she's like, I promise they're <laughs> they're coming. Here. And we came in, and sure enough, they're like, oh wow, I guess you were here. So, uh, but yeah, I think we rolled in at like three thirty, and they weren't quite ready for us yet. But it's so all you, good. It was you fun. You can be an idiot like us who tries to you know but average twenty five miles an hour on all the flat stuff. So <laughs> the smarter way is to make it fun. It yeah. is to I is think. to make it the two day part. But yeah. you know, again, for I'm me, I'm trying to think of. Go ahead. Trying to think of who holds a record, and I believe it was a guy named Peter Penenskis, who did it on a recumbent. Oh, oh uh, wow! He also man. he also holds some right across America titles as well. But he stopped for every stop line, stop site, and I think he made it in a little over seven hours. It was under eight oh, hours. Oh my goodness! Oh wow! But uh, the guy <laughs> was just flying. It's interesting. Like I always think about this. Like recumbent bikes make a lot of sense. They go very fast. They're very aerodynamic, so you can do less effort to commute or whatever it is. All of us ride, you know, normal bikes. We we don't. I mean, most of us don't ride recumbent bikes. So <coughs> just interesting, but we'll see. Maybe that'll change well, the future. I, 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 think I, think I own a recumbent. Do you? Yeah, I, I, make, a, I, yes. I make a lot of sense. I say that I think I will ride. I, <laughs> I'll ride STP on my upright. Oh yeah. yeah. I yeah. really don't want to do it on my recumbent. For safety. Although some people can do. Pardon me? No, you not safety. Just because you prefer it. Uh, are you familiar with a term called recumbent butt? Oh no, <laughs> I, I don't know the term, but uh, my mind is wondering. Don't go there. Okay, Lee, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, you know, there's, you know, I've noticed my bike evolution. I think, and I, I probably. I'm probably four or five years away from a recumbent. Like, you know, you, you get your starter bike and then you get your, you get a mountain bike and you get the, with the bike trailer and then we get the tandem. I'm about to upgrade my, to my upright bike. And I just see the recumbent coming down the road towards me eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, any other good stories from you guys? I, 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 I love hearing the stories and I really think that that's what gets people excited well, about this event. I'll, I'll talk a little about community piece and how it's for all. We talked about the fastest rider here, there. Um, uh, my my aunt, uh, you know, she has an autoimmune disease, and she, you know, had set a goal in the mid-2000s to ride the STP, and my uncle is an avid bike rider. 
and it's kind of the other end of, of the story you just told. So they, they did two days, and my aunt is not a fastback rider. She's, she's going to ride 11 miles an hour, coming or going. And uh, it was late. It was late. It was like 8 o'clock at night as she was coming into Portland, and they were tearing things down. And my uncle went and rode up ahead of her at, to the finish line and said, hey, there's one more person coming in. And there was one SAG person riding behind her, basically, <clears throat> and rode her in. And they kept the finish line open and, you know, did all the big fanfare That's awesome. for, you know, this, this this woman in her 50s who was riding the STP and got to finish um, with, and, you know, with the same celebration as anyone who'd finished earlier. So That's there awesome. is this community... Yep environment that is that is part of the cascade culture that is mm-hmm. something you got to experience that is absolutely true i have it has taken me my record has been 16 hours to go from seattle to centralia 100 miles that's writing as an outrider because of all the people we've had to stop for people are still riding at 7 30 at night and that's the amazing thing because that's that person who's never ridden more than 30 miles in their life, and suddenly they're doing this, and it changes people. It changes who you think you are when you realize, I can do this, I'm strong, I'm powerful, and it's a good thing to have happen to you. Yes, um, that is, you know, we have a program at Cascade called the Major Taylor Bike Club, which is a program that um, uh, targets uh, students of color in uh, economically challenged schools. And, you know, through the year, they did their after-school club, they do their build-a-bike in the spring, we transitioned to the STP training. And it really is, it's about riding bikes, but it's also about goal-setting and mentorship. And Mm -hmm. they have their jerseys, and we do a big fanfare announcement for them as they take off. And when you're riding, it's really inspiring to see a bunch of young folks um, out who set a goal and there's different groups they have their fast group that gets you know (laughs) gets going fast and they have folks that you know this is going to be they're going to tell this story to the grandkids uh at at the time they rode from seattle to portland but it is really it's you know learning how to basically set a goal and then work towards achieving that goal and then achieving that goal and it's they're really inspiring on the ride gotcha um, another quick question for you guys. Uh, during the pandemic, I'm sure you guys have kind of seen numbers kind of go up and down and all around. It seems like, and I've you've heard this consistently with a lot of other organizations as well, that your volunteers may have, not that they're not volunteering, but maybe have just kind of fallen off the radar. Are you guys dealing with issues with getting volunteers out there? Are you guys needing to regrow your, uh, your group of volunteers for helping uh, the event be a successful event? Marlene, you want to talk about that? Well, I'll tell you how it, you know, what I'm most familiar with is the free group ride program, which is another thing that when you join Cascade, you're supporting. You do not need to be a member of Cascade to come with us on a free group ride. You just need to register and sign our waiver and then you come and we're sharing, you know, the joy of cycling with you. But that's one of the things the membership represents. In March of 2020, we suspended the whole free group ride program. This is a program that has rides on every single day of the year, different paces in different places all over the state. Um, We suspended the whole program. It took us a while to figure out how do we do this safely. We didn't come back till summer. And we had, we basically, so we train our ride leaders Um, But we basically told our ride leaders, if you're not comfortable coming back and leading rides, and, you know, our rides are open to everybody. Everybody from the public can show up. Um, 
we said, you know, we're not going to, you know, you're going to stay in our membership as a, as a free group ride leader. Um, you know, just we're going to respect you, that you're going to do what you're comfortable with. Um, and we are starting, you know, you get rusty. You, you lead free group rides. You're used to doing it. If you do a couple of months, you do one a week. You're, you're used to dealing with the public and, and teaching people um, what you want to teach them on a free group ride. People do get rusty. So we are now working to get everybody, our, our ride leaders, back into the fold. Um, we did not mention CTS yet, which is Cascade Training Series, which is a progressive series that um, most of the rides are in the start in the Seattle area. They go all over the place. They do different pace groups. They're a way that a lot of people train for STP if they're in the Seattle area. I help out with a parallel series um, that's called Cycling Out of Sumner because I'm in Gig Harbor, which is south of mm -hmm. Seattle. So we meet in Sumner. We're doing a progressive series. So we're trying to get everybody back. Now, yeah. I'm guessing that all those other people, like, so Cascade has a lot of volunteers who help out, oh, lost somebody, who help out in ways that are um, not, don't involve riding a bike. They involve, you know, bringing the baggage to Portland and being at the registration desk and stuffing envelopes. Um, you know, Cascade has paid employees, but they also rely on an incredible force of volunteers and, um, I think we're going to similar things about bringing all those people back into the fold. That's and I think, good. you know, the, I think the only area there I talk about volunteers and I know we're here to talk about STP, but STP supports a lot of other programs and the area where volunteers did grow during the pandemic was a program um, we call pedal and relief project, which, you know, the, the beginning of the pandemic um, food banks couldn't have people come in to get, collect food and we had a lot of people with a lot of need and one of our cascade employees um actually while he was well it was furloughed um started this program which we then were able to continue uh where we partner with four food banks in seattle and every week we have about 150 volunteers who show up at these food banks on their bikes and sign up for a number of bags and then go drop those off at people's door who are homebound because of the pandemic or because of health issues uh, so they can't uh, and can't get to the food bank to get their food and so it's a different you know you're gonna be riding your bike saturday morning this is the way to ride your bike saturday morning and give back and so we've had a where we lost some volunteers on the on the free group ride space and we're trying to rekindle our ride support volunteers we have this whole new body of volunteers that we wouldn't otherwise have uh, but for our experience with the pandemic gotcha that's great now in, over since the pandemic another little topic here there's been a massive boom i'm sure this is across the country and you guys are no different than we are down here of people that are new to bike riding and have purchased a bike and there's bike shortages everywhere have you guys noticed an uptick in membership because of that or do you think right now is like the prime time where we need to start getting this information out to those folks who have since taken up a bike and now they need some sort of affiliation so they can look at all of the cool different ways that they can engage with the cycling community we start once we announced the ride season in december we saw an uptick in uh, uptick in membership but we de we're definitely looking to engage folks um because they bought that bike because it was the thing you could do oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh so I'm, you know I'm, I'm still waiting on my new bike it's good. hopefully it'll come <laughs> yeah. here in the next couple months um and uh you know so it's you know we have 14 different events throughout the year stp being kind of the marquee one and so we'll you know, we saw folks who were at our events last fall it was their first time doing a cascade event and they were sure. excited to, um, you know, try for a bigger, uh, bigger, longer event, you know, but it's, um, 
we're hoping we see a few of those folks decide to uh, take this challenge on. Gotcha. So if somebody wanted to like learn more about you, they can go to Cascade. Is it just Cascade.org? Yeah. Cascade.org. Or gotcha. And then um, I'm sure you guys have like a Facebook group and Instagram and a Strava club and all that other fun stuff. Uh, we got, uh, we're uh, Twitter, Facebook, Inst- uh, Instagram. I, Paul, are we on Strava? Friend me, follow me, like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everywhere online. And, uh, and, and, and we, you know, we have a, you know, and then there's Facebook groups for actually for STP and for our free group rides um, cool. separately. So you can find those on our website too. Excellent. That's, uh, that's yeah. Great. Can I, Jake, you make a great point about all these people who got their bikes. Cause we want them, we want them to keep riding. This is where we make that habit sticky, yeah. right? They, yeah, where we... you keep having fun doing it and you keep learning and you keep getting better and you don't put that, you know, you're not going to let that bike, gather cobwebs in your garage yeah we don't want them to turn into a bunch of garage ornaments um they need to be Mm -hmm. out there actually being ridden so paul what were you going to say uh well lee mentioned all these other events in addition to stp so even uh coming up the end of february we have our chili hilly Uh, it's on bainbridge island this is a a long time cascade ride which just kind of kicks off the ride season for us and it's a real beautiful scenic trip um for folks who are not familiar with the Seattle area. We have all these large islands um, right off of Puget, on Puget Sound across from Seattle and Bainbridge Island being a beautiful example of that. So it's a uh, Chili Hilly is a, is a great ride to sign up for as a, just a opening um, a season opener. We've got our Seattle Bike Swap is back. This was a long time event, which was sort of like, a, um, well, a traditional bike swap, but um, where there are a lot of vendors selling bikes, great chance to pick up a bargain on a used bike or, or consign um, that bike that's sitting in the garage um, uh, to our major Taylor project booth. So uh, on cascade.org, you can find, click on the events and rides tab and you can find out about our major events, free group rides, uh, and all the other things we do. All the things that you guys do. It's pretty amazing. Put a big smile on my face. This is awesome. I mean, can you yeah. can you guys come down to like the Vancouver area and do a few few things down here, just for selfish reasons? <laughs> Although Happy I, to talk about that. Yeah, um, I'll I'll be up in your it neck is. of the woods, Marlene. My uh, my mom and my sister live in Gig Harbor, so I come up there a couple times or at least try to um, when there's not pandemics going on. Occasionally, you bring your bike. Uh, not occasionally. Every single time my bike comes with me. Um, even awesome. when we used to live in a different state, it still came with me, and I. It, quite do enjoy riding around the uh, the Gig Harbor area so awesome well I have so if you go to the Gig Harbor tourist site uh-huh. there's a blog about biking in Gig Harbor sure and it links to all my routes oh so I've got about 10 ride with GPS routes Marlene's recommended Gig Harbor routes oh look at that so check check that out when you come love it <laughs> <laughs> Paul are we missing anything is there something that we have not brushed over that you're chomping at the bit to talk about um, I think we've covered it. Maybe Lee can fill in. I guess I would like to leave folks who are interested in STP to know that when you sign up and pay your registration fee, that your funds go to support so many great community projects, um, like the Major Taylor Project, like our food bank deliveries, and on and on, our Learn to Ride programs and our Build a Bike programs. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's money that allows you to enter a great event, but also supports um, so much good work making Washington and the Puget Sound region one of the best places to ride a bike. Love it. 
Gotcha. Couldn't have said it, couldn't have said it better myself, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this part of it up. And I don't know if we talked about this in the uh, pre-show, but we do uh, what we call one last thing. So you get to say one last thing, whatever you want. It could be about anything. It doesn't matter. It could be about this com- the conversation we just had or anything that's just front around in the fr- front of your mind. So um, I'm going to start with the guy across the table from me right now, Lance Hepler. Uh, when, are you guys, when are you guys going to uh, announce your gravel route from uh, Ooh, uh, Seattle, to Portland? <laughs> Seattle to Portland? Seattle to Portland. You'd probably have like 30,000 feet of climbing if you <laughs> did it all at gravel. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, um, I don't. Although I don't you would any, do it if it, I, I would. I might do it. If might have to do it two days, though. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a, no, no one last thing for I, you? I, 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 Go ahead, Lee. Oh, sorry. I was, uh, my one last thing is I just want to thank Marlene and Leo. Um, we've, we've talked about the volunteers here uh, with Cascade. Um, it is, we have 10,000 members. It is a club. Um, and there are folks who really lean in, and we could not do any of the work we've talked about without volunteers like Marlene and Leo uh, and uh, their compatriots. Uh, and my in my short time here, my four months, one thing I've learned is when someone says they've been doing something for 20 or 30 years, they got some great stories and some lessons to be found in those stories. So I always make time to chat with our, our longtime members. So Love it. Thank you, yep. too. Gotcha. Yeah, th- thank you for inviting us to this, too. Oh, yeah. Leo, do you have one last thing for us? Well, other than getting cut off, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, kind of an interesting kind of a question here is why has Cascades succeeded where other big cities such as Portland don't have the huge bike club? What made Seattle and what made Cascades so special for all this to happen? That's a really good question. I think that's a great question. We do have the Vancouver... Why is why don't we have this anywhere else? Yeah. There's a the Vancouver Bicycle Club down here is quite large, but they don't I mean, they're literally ten percent of what you are. They're about nine hundred and fifty people strong. Yep. Mm. They're well run and they're well organized and they put on a ride. It's a nice group. Yeah, it's a nice group. They do one big ride a year and then they have a lot of ride volunteers. I mean they, they there's do one a, like one event a year, but yeah. but there's like training rides and ride groups, but it's nothing as big as No, Cascade. it's not. So you guys have some sort of secret sauce yep. going on there yeah. that you need to really boil down what that is and maybe share it's, that. Is that probably the volunteers like you two yeah. that really make a big difference? So, that you know, would, that would make an interesting subject is how did Cascade, how did this happen? Well, what did maybe we do so right. Maybe it's uh, maybe Seattle is like eight million people. That could be part of it. It's part of it. <laughs> Small part. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not Portland. Like... <laughs> Portland's a million and a well, half. Yeah. Still well, we did start out. <laughs> we did start out small. In 1989, we uh, we only had 5,000 STP, which was absolutely amazing at the time. And I think we've had a high of over 10,000 now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now that, right. that could be a whole other podcast right there. We, we've had 50 years to work on this, and so um, <laughs> yeah. that has been Eventually around. Eventually, you get it right. Yeah. Oh, and I have a one last thing. I think Matt was asking about gravel. So um, I would urge you guys and all your listeners who are interested in gravel and bikepacking to check out the Palouse to Cascades Trail. This is the the uh, uh, the rail trail that runs basically from outside of Seattle all the way to the Idaho border. I have done I've done sections of it. I've already done ridden sections of it. And I think I saw on Ride with GPS somebody just put out a route for the Chili Hilly that included a whole bunch of gravel sections as well. 
the, wow. so that you could do the chilly hilly on a gravel bike. It, it does take in a bunch of um, hiking trails that you'd be riding your gravel bike on. But it but could be interesting. Yeah. That. Yeah, that might be the unofficial route. Yeah, sorry. I <laughs> scratched that, whatever I just said. <laughs> Forget about whatever I just said. Dang it, Hepler. <laughs> uh, Marlene, do you have a one last thing for us? Well, I want to go back to Chili Hilly since it's coming up and you, you brought it up. Now, you guys seem pretty hardcore, so you are invited. Go. So Chili Hilly might not be enough of a challenge for you. Um, I was told miles. that when Chili Hilly started, <laughs> they used to do it three times and do it as a century. Oh, wow. That would be oh, a super hilly century. So I will challenge you. Get on that ferry. <laughs> meet us in Bainbridge and, you know, wave to me on your sec. Pass me on your second loop. And, you know, and perhaps I'll still be having a margarita or beer when you finish. You, <laughs> can, you, you can come catch me there. So just out of curiosity, how many feet of elevation gain is there on the Chili Hilly 30? Is it 30 miles? Ish. It's I'll 33 you. miles, and oh boy, do you, you know what I have? Twenty-seven thousand. Sure written down somewhere. Yeah. Twenty-seven thousand five hundred. I think it's twenty-seven thousand five hundred. I could be wrong, but it's right. Twenty-seven thousand. Twenty-seven hundred. Excuse me. Hundred. Excuse me. Twenty-seven hundred. I was like, holy That's crap! People are doing century out of that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I might need to grind for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Twenty-seven hundred. Yeah. Um, Still, that's gonna be. It's gonna be. That's a solid. Two or three times, it's gonna be some good elevation there. The, yeah, the official no, route it's is beautiful too. It's twenty one hundred. Twenty one hundred. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Yeah, it's it, and it's beautiful and, and it's fun. Right on. Cool. Very cool. Right. And it's hilly. Chilly hilly. Chilly hilly. Matt, one last thing for you, bud. Um, I always have a video to, you know talk about i post videos once a week to youtube talking about triathlon type stuff um this past week i posted a video talking about a bike computer the brighton it's yep. got some of jake's uh gopro footage yeah that was fun know, i'm uh, glad that you were able to actually use that. i've had multiple people comment on the video saying like what did you how did you do this shot and i was like you got to have a jake you have to have a jake ride with you and then he'll do some really cool stuff with cameras and then you just throw it in your video and that's how you get tons of subscribers yeah you sent me a, a screenshot of that yesterday One of put them. a big smile on my face yeah i mean super cool that people are actually paying attention and, and following all the little camera things that we do and then yeah um i think Eventually, I'll do um, the new Garmin watch, the Phoenix 7. Hope, no, the Epics. The Epics on yeah. Wednesday that will be here. So, so hopefully that's yep. coming up sometime next week. I might sneak another video in between those two videos just so I'll have more time with that watch to test it. Gotcha. So. And for our folks here, our friends from Cascade, do you want to tell them what your YouTube channel URL is? YouTube.com slash M. Legrand. Or you can search for Matt Legrand. There's two Matt Legrands on YouTube. One of them is like this like 20-year-old male singer who sings to girls on the beach and then there's and then i'm the other one so you can you can subscribe to both of those okay. both of those guys on youtube but um you'll be disappointed when you see my videos and i don't have my shirt off uh, matt's turning into quite the little tech youtube guy the tech uh, reporter reporter r reporter interviewer of, you do all the things tech related like Some are you guys familiar with like sports tech stuff like dc rainmaker do you guys know who dc rainmaker is you guys know I talk uh, a lot about bike computers and things him. like that. Does and, does uh, a lot of the same things, but Matt is fun stuff. very skilled and gifted with the uh, the video camera himself as well as the editing, and he makes some stuff that's just uh, high high quality, and super professional looking yep. stuff. So, thank you, thank you. Always love watching his videos. Good times. So, 
Um, as for me, my one last thing, I don't have many one last things other than this was a lot of fun. It I really am was. really stoked on getting to know the, some of the people that make this huge monstrosity of uh, a bike club move forward. I mean, I it, it's such an awesome thing. And it like is amazing. When we made that first initial contact, I'm like, oh, I get that'd be so fun to have them on the podcast and talk to them. And, and I, you guys have a secret sauce. I'm not kidding. Something about this that you guys have built something that's really cool. I get the emails all the time. I'm on your email list. Um, probably do need to re-up my membership. It's been a couple <laughs> of years since I've had that. Um, but uh, it, it's really neat to see all the advocacy work that you guys do for cyclists. And we're huge into that. And we're always doing what we can to, um, you know, make the roads safer, to get more people up to speed with, like, you know, what the laws are and, and really just trying to promote cycling in general, get more people out on their bikes. And, like, we're, like – we're a tiny, tiny little drop in the bucket compared to what Cascade's doing. And, and I guess for that, I just wanted to say thank you. And it was uh, nice to get to meet all of you. So, thank you. All right. Look forward to seeing you on the road. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So we're going to go ahead and call that a wrap for this week on the Dow Podcast. We do appreciate everybody listening and watching because we will be using some of this on the YouTube. So uh, we'll catch you all next week. And until then, bye for now. Bye.